When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. May the 12th, and we're about to already start diving in to playoff matchups and playoff stacks and different galaxy brain ideas for best ball tournaments. What a crazy world <laughs> we are living in. I've already seen tons of takes on Twitter, tons of takes in Discord, and all sorts of fun stuff. But I'm actually kind of excited to talk through the strategy on some of this and uh, get some of you guys' takes. Go through an article I wrote today go through uh, some different ideas that we can start to implement tonight as soon as the NFL schedule gets released. Let's get to it. So the first thing I keep seeing, right, we're getting um, a handful of uh, matchups, right, like dropping uh, leaks or whatever, right, throughout the day, throughout, uh, I guess, this week, but throughout the day for sure. And the big one that everybody is uh, mentioning today that I guess got dropped, I assume, is is true. I, I'm really, I'm not sure. Um, because if you, if you didn't see, I should probably pull this up. If you didn't see, there was a guy who literally started a uh, fake account. Let me see if I can go find this fake account. I know this is thrilling, uh, thrilling TV here. But there was a guy who posts this NFL schedule leaks. Yeah, NFL at NFL game leaks on on twitter let me share this because we got to do this first this this is what we've created this is what our um sick sick obsession with fantasy football has created this guy like what did he say in a few days or whatever created a twitter account called nfl game leaks nfl schedule leaks and built it up to 10 thousand followers by it's all bullshit he literally made everything up and just started tweeting about it and all of us i will say i did not fall for this shit you dipshits fell for this but he built a, a twitter account up to ten thousand followers so so quickly that just look at all this nonsense. And then he's just trolling everybody, right? All, all today he's been trolling. But it's just, look at this. NFL Week 3, Ravens, Jaguars, 1 p.m. CBS. 264 likes, you know, 40 retweets. Just incredible. 
absolutely incredible. That's how thirsty, as Ross says, the sickos, the, the sickos are definitely thirsty for the content. We're all thirsty to see who we can stack in week 17 to, to try to win $2 million, right? Which I get it. So anyway, the big one that I've seen that I just want to talk about really quick before we dive into maybe a little more macro type stuff is, is that this take that I keep seeing, right? So Cincy Buffalo, I, I agree. I, I agree with your assessment, Paul, is that everybody's viewing this as the Arizona and Dallas situation from last year. That was the game. Everybody was like, like even more than Bengals, Chiefs, which is really funny to look back on. Like, I guess I get it. We were all very excited for the Cowboys offense. I was. And um, certainly very excited for the Cardinals, too. But it was, like, so funny that you look back and we weren't that excited. I shouldn't say that. We were certainly excited for Bengals Chiefs, right? But, like, the uh, Cardinals-Dallas one became the meme. It took on a life of its own. Now the first one that comes out that we're all clearly very excited for. I mean, right, Josh Allen and that offense against Joe Burrow and that offense in week 17 is supposedly leaked. I guess it's true. I don't really know. At this point, I can't keep up with the fake Twitter accounts and what beat writers are legit. I don't know. Let's just assume that it is. Like, I I mean, I get it. I, I I, I fully support you know, these kinds of game stacks and stuff. But I also think we don't maybe think about this enough. If you look, the Buffalo defense was like not one we really wanted to be targeting last year. I know they had the big playoff game with the Chiefs, but this wasn't an, a, a defense that we really wanted to be going after. They they finished the year number one, the number one DVOA defense. The number one pass DVOA defense. Like I said, I know that they um, you know, had the shootout, shootout with the Chiefs. And I know that the Bills have an incredibly high-powered offense. So I'm certainly not saying like, hey, stay away from these Bengals game stacks. But if they become the sexy one, right, what I really do believe is going to happen is there's going to be legit steam and more people like you still, I, I, we're not to the point where like, Oh, you need to ignore these stacks. Like not that many people are going to be doing it, but there's going to be enough people and enough, particularly enough smart people doing these kinds of things that you might get a little bit of steam and a little bit of, um, you know, more than last year, certainly more than two years ago, there's going to be smart, well-constructed teams that are building these things in. And if the Buffalo and Cincy one is the one that everybody is going to be, you know, pounding the table for, this is the one, right? I got to get my, my Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, T Higgins, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, right? Joe Mixon, whatever, however people want to construct with those, with those two teams. And, and like, it's one of those things um, that JXP brought this up that I've said in the past that I believe wholeheartedly is I can't predict I can't predict who's going to be the good defenses in week 17 of the NFL. It's fucking May 12th. I don't know. You know, no one does. We can't accurately predict that. But what I do know is 100% the Bills have a good defense. Point blank, point blank, period. Honestly, the Bengals defense wasn't that bad. 
and probably got better. I guess the Bengals defense was 19th DVOA. The Bills basically brought everybody back and added multiple key pieces, and Tredavious White is back. And they had the number one defense last year already. And um, what I was saying about what JXP in the Discord has brought up that I've said is, like, one of my big beliefs is, like, I can't predict what these defenses are going to be in Week 17, but when I have this data or I have this potential evidence, right, that Buffalo is a, a, a bad match, it's a bad matchup, and no one is using it, they're going to they're actually going to use it the opposite way. They're going to say, "Okay, I want Jamar Chase and Stefan Diggs. I want Josh Allen, T Higgins, Gabe Davis, Stacks." Right? If my opponents are going to do that, and I and I, and I don't know, we're going to have to wait and see, right? But my, my initial thought is just from the hype that I was seeing from that game when I saw it get announced, everybody's saying, "Oh, this is it. This is the game. This is the stack, whatever." Um I I'm not it's so sure that it's true. I I mean Jamar Chase is already a first-round pick. I love Jamar Chase. He should be a first-round pick. But from a Week 17 perspective, like it's not going to be an incredible matchup for him for a first for a first-round pick, right? It doesn't project to be that. Um, T. Higgins, same thing. Certainly not for a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Like if I have to spend three of my top five picks on the the team that's projected to go against the number one DVOA defense in Week 17, right? Again. To, are they going to be that good of a defense? Um, you know, in what what is that? Eight, eight, eight seven months? Say seven months from now? Uh, seven and a half months from now? I mean, I don't know. Probably not. But we have a game. I, I think they said it was outdoors. In uh, well, of course it's outdoors between these two games. But I think they said it was in Cincy. If it's in Buffalo or Cincy, that's not good weather. And so anyway, it's just one example of the schedule thing that I just think we also should take a step back sometimes. And like, like literally like think about some of this and we did, you know, I'm not saying we could have predicted the Dallas and Arizona thing, but that was probably the most stacked game. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a breakdown of percentage of teams like that, that stacked each of these different games, but I would imagine that the Dallas Arizona game was the most stacked one. The ADPs also fell together pretty well. And so, you know, I feel like if that's the trendy one, you know, I'm certain, of course, I'm not saying avoid those guys. I want all the players on both of those teams. But if it's the trendy one from a, I'm going to load up on that game and get my core pieces from that game with the cost of all of those, I don't know if I want to be overweight to stacks of that game. You know what I mean? Um, let me see here. FF child going to be wild when he accidentally nailed some of those games. That is, that will be, that'll be hilarious. I'm, I'll have to go back through his, it's probably a, a potential that like, I don't know what the odds actually would be that he nailed like one of them. Cause I mean, you, you know, who's playing who you just don't know when. Um, so that would be pretty funny. Paul says, yeah. And then he goes back and delete. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Same, same John. Um, actually, uh, I, I had a lot of Kyle Pitts. I think I made that known. I had a lot of Kyle Pitts, a lot of digs, a lot of Gabe, a lot, not, I was nowhere near our boy, um, Liam, Chess Liam, who won best ball mania with the, the bill stuff, but I was heavy bills, uh, heavy Kyle Pitts had my share of Ridley. Um, not Mike Davis. 
no Mike Davis for me. But um, that game, I like that game too. I was on that game. I mean, I had Kyle Pitts in uh, the best ball finals. So uh, yeah, Ridley Diggs. Ridley Diggs was a very logical and easy one-two turn type of type of situation. Yeah, and FF Child says both Buffalo and Cincy could be very ugly weather. And yeah, it's New Year's Day, right? Is uh is uh the finals? The finals are on New New Year's Day. Um, this is another good point by by Ross that the AFC West division, right? That's the one. The AFC West and the NFC West are the two divisions where it's like every game is an attractive one. You can't really, there's no real matchup that you can say is a bad game environment to target. And so um, that I agree. I definitely agree with that. So real quick, before we hop into a few things, um, I am going to, sorry, too many tabs open. Um, I'm putting together, if you were, if you were around and following last year, we had this last year as well, but tonight when we get the schedule, I'm going to make sure and get this updated right away as well as the bye weeks There's a, there's a very, there's a similar, um, cheat sheet for bye weeks which, you know, they show the bye weeks on, on like, uh, the best ball platforms underdog and such, but I'm going to make sure to get this cheat sheet because, you know, <clears throat> we'll probably, you know, um, memorize it eventually. But at first, it's something that I'll keep up. Like I have multiple screens here, right? And I'll just like when I'm doing a draft, I'll just keep it up um, next to me and just have it. And as I start to go through those first drafts, it'll just be, a you know, like a data grid down here at the bottom um, that will have every team alphabetical order. And in, in the columns, <clears throat> their week 15, 16, and 17 matchups. And I do find it really useful, at least for the first while, um, to have as a reference point. And even, even just like to have as a reminder when I'm drafting. Because, you know, it's like, um, we'll get to some of this. But, it, the, you know, the, the additional correlations and the secondary correlations and those kinds of things are just as important to me, if not more so. And like I said, we'll get into some of that in a bit. But so... So you've you, let's let's say you took Jamar Chase and you start you get to a later round pick. You haven't stacked that game. You you don't have jo, uh, Josh Allen. You don't have Joe Burrow. You you don't have any other Bills on your team. You just have Jamar Chase. Well, you get to the fourteenth round, fifteenth round, and um, I think this is about the range that he goes. And you're you need, you're looking for a wide receiver. Well, you're trying to you're trying to break ties with wide receivers that are in that range. But then you take Jamison Crowder, right? Because he correlates with Jamar Chase, as opposed to like people want to like make the decision on, oh, that's the, my guy. That's the wide receiver I like better, or I have ranked higher in that range. But as long as you're in like the same tier in the same general ADP sphere for those players, just take that guy that correlates. And so having that on here or it could even be shoot i don't have a week 17 matchup set up for um you know this first eight picks or whatever that that i've i've uh, started to put together you can look at week 16 15 right maybe my key stack maybe i i did stack the bills 
I have Josh Allen and Diggs or Josh Allen and Gabe Davis is, is one of my core stacks on my team. I, maybe I already have somebody from the Bengals or there's just not a Bengal left, right? Maybe there is just Chris Evans or Hayden Hurst, which maybe, maybe you're not in that round. So you're, you're breaking ties in the 11th round with who they play in the 15th week, or the 16th week, because those correlations are really helpful too. I know Eagles has been on Twitter talking about he's focusing more on, on week 16. I still think you should focus more on week 17, but when you start to, you know, not every pick is going to be like, oh, I have to be focused on week 17 on every single pick. Like, obviously that, that is not true. But when you start to figure out to break ties, you're in a tier, you're in this, uh, you know, you're in a grouping of seven wide receivers that are all in the same tier for you. And you, you know, you run down that list and you're like, okay, start looking through how each of these seven guys correlate with the other players that are already on my team. Right. And that's not just week 17 correlation. It could be, you know, week 15, week 16, whatever. And so I'll have this done. Um, once we get the, once we get the schedule later, I wanted to bring that up really quickly before I say, I say a McKinsey time that, I mean, I, those are the kinds of guys I, I will be taking when it makes sense for sure. Um, I like flipping, you know, not flipping coins. I mean, we are flipping coins with the later round picks. And if I'm going to flip a coin, I'm going to do it with the guy that correlates, even if it's the fourth wide receiver on a team or whatever. I mean, shit, we saw Isaiah McKenzie was like a borderline league winner last year. He knocked me out. Isaiah McKenzie and Byron Pringle. I had a monster squad in the big dog. A monster squad in the big dog last year that was cruising to the finals. And I got caught and lost by less than a point, I believe, to a team that had Isaiah McKenzie and Byron Pringle on it. And they both went ham, absolutely ham in week 16. And I lost. Uh, Yeah, flipping coins is the odds for late round guys. I wish. I wish. Mine are more like, um, I don't even know what a, a, a good comparison is. A uh, More like flipping a Rubik's Cube around to try to get matching colors. The odds that I'm going to do one flip and it and the, the colors match is obviously not very good. That's what my late round odds were last year. Um, Paul says, today I stacked the Den- uh, Broncos Rams. <clears throat> as that's supposed to be a week 16 matchup and then tried to add, see, look, look at this level um, of gal brain and then tried to add to those two teams, NFC West and AFC West secondary stacks. So you have Russ and Stafford and their receivers. They play in week 16. Obviously that's a good thing. And then you hope you hit the lottery. <coughs> you hope you hit the lottery. On week 17, you get the Raiders and Broncos, and you have Hunter Renfro, and you get uh, Rams and uh, what? Rams and Seahawks, and you have uh, Noah Fant or something like that. You know, that's just that. That's where we are now. I was talking, um, if you haven't listened yesterday, I did a show. Uh, I do a show every Wednesday called Best Ball Bros. 
which is like a cheesy title, but um, it's actually one of my favorite shows to do. Every single Wednesday, I bring on somebody from around just the fantasy sports space, really. Um, obviously, a lot of the people are in best ball for sure, but um, generally just around the fantasy sports space. And uh, had Rich Rebar from Sharp Football on. And that's what we were kind of talking about. Like, how fucking crazy is it that now these are the... Like, it, again, it is May 12th. It's the first round, or excuse me, it's the second round of the NBA playoffs still going on. And we're talking about, look, here's the things I was trying to do before the NFL schedule was released to, to stumble my way into um, week 17 and playoff and playoff stacks. It's amazing. It's amazing. I definitely agree with this. We'll have the, we'll have the playoff chart memorized by a certain time. So the, the use for this is only a couple of weeks, but uh, uh, I can, I can use it. Um, so we'll get, I'll, we'll get to, we'll get to this. I'm going to, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up, I wrote this article today and it, it kind of um, helps as kind of like a, I'm not going to like you know, fucking read it, but it's a helps as kind of like starting to walk through um, a lot of the key elements. I think that'll come with, with uh, these playoff weeks and just the schedule in general. So obviously, Unless you've been living under a rock, NFL schedule gets released tonight, and it, it's a pretty big, it's a pretty important thing. Um, it's important overall, like even in um, drafters contests, right? So if you have never played on drafters, it is a cumulative scoring format, right? So there's no playoff weeks. I don't have to worry all this bullshit we've been talking about for you know stacking up week 17, week 16, etc. None of that matters for drafters. You're just trying to score the, score the most score the most points in the tournament over the entire season. However, you know, um, as I, I kind of put, put here, like some, some things like overall strength of schedule and bye weeks still matter, still matter. I can't speak this afternoon. So, you know, for overall strength of schedule, a team with the easiest schedule in the league is, you know, maybe gets a boot, gets a small boost. I, I'm going to redo the rankings and everything after, this schedule comes out. So I don't, I can't speak to exactly how I'm going to adjust things. It's going to be on a player by player basis, but the over the, the overall, you know, we're, we're all chomping at the bit for the playoff weeks. That's the thing I'm most excited about too, but the overall schedule matters too. Um, we talked a lot about that last year with the 49ers, like how much, like if the 49ers have one of the toughest schedules this year, they had the easiest schedule last year. It was a cakewalk. What, like, how much of that had to do with Debo being a smash? You know, how much of that had to do with Eli Mitchell being a smash? I don't know. It's impossible to really say, but it's 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 somewhere kind of it's 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 somewhere on the range of uh, you know uh, probability that they just had a really easy schedule, which tells you how bad Jimmy is. And so. It, it matters. We'll see how like kind of my takeaway is that's a little bit more of a wait and see. <clears throat> and uh, um, Rich talked about it on the show yesterday, but I also have a link to their strength of schedule stuff in here. Cause it's, uh, it's really good. Um, the other thing obviously is bye weeks I don't really need to talk to you guys too much, too much about, about bye weeks um, And again, a link to the cheat sheet in here. And then we kind of touched on this a little too with the overall playoff strength of schedule. Again, everybody is 
very focused and, and largely rightfully so on week 17. But it's not only week 17 that matters because you do still need to get to week 17. Now, underdog has made it a little bit easier this year, which is nice. But and nice and and not nice. There's 470 teams in the final. So it's certainly going to make that final a lot tougher, which, of course, it partly means which we'll get to optimizing for week 17. But uh, you can it, it's not like like many of the things we talk about in this space. It doesn't have to be binary all the time. Right. Paul just brought up a, a, a great example. Why can I not have a team that's a good team to target the, the Rams? No one on the planet is going to say, I mean, Cooper Cup goes in the top three. He's actually you know, second overall by ADP right now. Cam Akers is a top three-round pick. Stafford is a top 10-ish quarterback, right? All their skill guys get drafted, blah, blah, blah. No one is going to argue that the Rams are a bad team to target. Why can I not take advantage of their entire – if they have a great playoff schedule, right? Let's say they play – yes, so, the, so you have Broncos. Seems like a fun game. And they play – um what let's just uh they play the lions and they play i know i'm just throwing out teams that i don't believe they're even on their schedule but they, they play the lions and then they play the cardinals that's a awesome playoff schedule to target and so the rams in general not just because i want to stack them with the week 17 game like dallas and arizona last year but they have an three straight weeks where I want to target that team more, right? It's funny, I talk about in here. I mean, the Lions were that team last year. Like, we don't ever, like, seemingly want to talk about it, but the Lions were that team last year, which is crazy to think about. Like, legit crazy. But they played... Um, Hold on, I'm trying to trying to read this live here which is not very good in the championship they had the seahawks which we'll get to plenty more on that and in the playoffs their other two matchups were atlanta who we know stunk and had a bad defense and arizona who didn't stink but it was an exciting you know game environment we were excited about the exact same arizona team against Dallas in the championship. So the Lions, a shittier defense than Dallas. You know, I know we expected Dallas defense to maybe not be quite as good. I think they were second in DVOA, which is really funny. Uh, And that's actually part of what killed the Cowboys. But we were excited about Arizona and Dallas. And then Detroit gets Atlanta and Seattle alongside the Arizona matchup in the playoffs. And like, because they stunk, you know, and we perceived them to be bad they weren't really a team people were talking about very much, right? Nobody was like, yep, got to get the Lions because of this playoff schedule. And nobody was really even saying, I know Liam, again, shout out to Liam if you end up listening to this, what mentioned that he was specifically targeting Seahawks and like Seahawks running backs and Seahawks players and Lions players as runbacks, right? Because he that matchup was one, the Seahawks and Lions, that he was targeting. But the Lions had this terrible defense, some interesting skill players, and some cheap skill players, including a cheap rookie, 
who ended up being the league winner. Amon Ra went nuts. Amon Ra St. Brown went nuts over the course of the entire playoff. So, yes, his 30-point game in the championship is what everybody remembers. But he went nuts for a month. And some of that had to do with the matchups that they had in the playoffs. And so I think we jump sometimes to week 17 or even like, like I said, Eagles is looking at week 16. We jump to the one week. We're like, this is the most important week. And yeah, you want to put a little bit more focus on that for sure. But I don't want to like overlook these things. Like we're, if you, again, if you're in, if you're in the discord, if you haven't joined the discord yet, go to spikeweek.com in the header, which up here while I'm up, where I'm on my screen, I can show you right here. Click that link. If you're watching on YouTube, click that Discord link. It'll take you to the free free Discord where there's a shit ton of people every single day. The conversation is unbelievably uh, uh, frantic already in early May. But God damn it. Now I just literally lost. I'm trying to promote the Discord and I forgot what the hell I was going to say. Isn't that isn't that terrible? I'm I'm soon to turn 34 and I feel like I'm turning 50 or 54. Unbelievable. That's embarrassing. So anyway, um you get the point though about the overall play overall playoff strength of schedule. The 49ers were again another one that had a nice a nice playoff schedule. And I think um the Lions oh, oh Texans. This is what I was going to talk about. See? This is what I was going to talk about. The Texans are a team where there's quite a few people, and I think rightfully so, that are are kind of excited about the Texans' offense. They're stacking the Texans, right? Brandon Cooks was a was a a really strong pick last year. Um, yeah, dude, it's getting bad. It's getting bad. Can't even remember. I mean, I will say I was going to talk about the fucking Houston Texans. <clears throat> so at least give me a little bit of credit for that. But yeah, it was bad. It literally just slipped completely gone from my mind. So people are talking about being excited for the Texans, right? Davis Mills ended up looking a lot better, I think, than any of us expected, maybe than the Texans expected. Brandon Cooks is a solid wide receiver. Nico Collins is a second-year guy, put up some you know, maybe low-key a little bit better numbers than people thought, like on a per-route uh, basis. And and he was a little bit interesting last year, probably more so now this year. They draft John Mechie, who as soon as he gets back from his injury, if if and when he gets back from his injury, should uh, hit to, should end up in the slot for them. Shout out to Josh Norris; he was the one um, that mentioned that to me. And then you have Brevin Jordan, another young player at tight end. Now with some of those veteran guys like Jordan Aikens gone off the team, you have Brevin Jordan, where a lot opens up for him at tight end. And like they're interesting. The defense is still going to be bad. The defense is still going to be bad, but the offense might keep up a little bit more this year. And they were a good team to target with offenses. Now, if they pull the Lions of last year and their offense is able to compete a little bit more, right? They're not losing 30 to 10. They're losing 35-28. Those, we want to target those games. But last year, that Seahawks-Lions game and the Lions in general, everybody flocked to Arizona-Dallas, right? Kansas City-Cincinnati, Atlanta-Buffalo, because those both teams seem sexier. But I don't want the Lions. Lions? Seahawks? Texans? But the, the gross games 
can more often than not be more fantasy appealing, like from an overall environment than, than the ones that seem like smashes because both offenses are good because maybe both defenses are better, right? That's the Buffalo thing. Buffalo doesn't get in that many like crazy shootouts. They just score a shit ton of points, but the defense is really good. So they're not like going out there. You know, I know they did it with the chiefs and stuff, but they're not going out there playing 50, 40 games because they have an awesome defense too. And so um, I just think that that is uh, yeah, it was gross rainy weather in Seattle at the end of December and the Seahawks who were awful dropped a 50 ball on Detroit. Also Detroit beat Arizona by the way, quite handily. Um, literally the Cardinals had pulled their starters in the fourth quarter. Cause Detroit was up by so much. That was a, the DK live final weekend. Don't fucking remind me about that. I did play Amon Ra, but, um, that was painful. That was really painful. But <clears throat> those kinds of situations are one where I, I think we need to give a stronger assessment to those kinds of things than just like, oh, look, look at these two exciting offenses. That's what we did last year. That's what I mean. That's what I did last year. I did a piss poor job. I went, I was obviously super heavy on the 49ers, not just Trey Lance, Debo Samuel is my highest on wide receiver. I was on Mostert, I was on Sermon, I was on Kittle, I was on all these guys. Um, and they had the Texans in the championship game and, and a good playoff schedule. So, like, I did it in bits and pieces, but I didn't do it as well as I as well as I should have. And I think we can have a, a better approach to the collective playoff schedule and the collective Week 17 schedule than we did last year and so my opinions might drastically change on maybe even some teams right if you get the texans and the lions in the championship or in the uh fantasy playoffs you know i'm not super high on i don't know i'm trying to come up with a team um i am not super high on seattle let's just use seattle i'm not high on seattle but if seattle plays uh, you know, Houston and Detroit in the champion or in the uh, in the playoffs, and then they they get a, one of their NFC West teams or whatever, right? Like, I mean, I might have to start rethinking how much I'm going to put into Rashad Penny and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf because they I think they probably will deserve a bump um, in our rankings because because of that. Um, let me hit a couple before we move on to the. Probably what everybody actually cares to talk about. Game stacks and, and stacking and stacking the week 17 stuff. May have to put a timer on the chat come August. Huh. Uh, Buffalo plays the Bears in week 16. That's not good for fields. And the Bengals in week 17. So that's the thing. I, I'm not particularly worried about anything for definitely not worried about those two matchups for the Bills. Um, but I think they're potentially a little bit worse game environments than maybe the market will give credit for. I mean, those are bad weather areas. Um, we could get a little more running than maybe we, we hoped for. Um, so we'll see. I haven't obviously had any time to think about that. Agree, Paul, the discord has, has been on absolute fire since, uh, since, since BBM dropped, wait till DK drops. And then we get like 
I mean, we already have drafters. Shout out to drafters and and underdog dropping. Wait till like puppies are going and and DK has their Millie going and like I mean, it's just gonna be crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. Of course you did. Of course you had eighty percent Nico. <clears throat> David says Texans players are eminently available. There are plenty of range of outcomes where they return value. I agree. I agree. I wish, you know, Damian Pierce has been uh, deemed the running back pick from their group. I wish the running back situation was a little bit more fun, um, but they would be more expensive than two. So, Uh, but Nico, I like Nico. Cooks is fine. I I particularly like Nico, basically. Um, Mechie is okay, too. David says, like, are we convinced that, excuse me, an offense like the Falcons, Jaguars, or Jets will be more fertile fantasy ground than the Texans? I mean, convinced? No. (laughs) No. Not convinced. Definitely not convinced. Uh, Let's see. Do we think DK drops by Monday? I don't know. Did you or Bollock or somebody? um, Yeah, that's what Bollock says. Anytime after today is possible if they stick to what they did last year. That's what I was going to ask because I remember I think you were um, going back and kind of researching that. So soon, hopefully. Um, I've talked about this in the past. Like I have some, um, contacts and stuff at DK, like from a DFS or sports betting perspective, but even like me or other, uh, you know, like content creators and stuff around best ball, there's not a good way to, uh, communicate with DK on best ball. It's, it's, you know, obviously not one of their top priorities. And so that's frustrating, but, um, my guess would be, uh, Next week, yeah, Monday. Next week would be my guess. I don't imagine that they want to drop it over the weekend. So, um, sometime, sometime next week would be if I were like a betting man. That's what uh, that's be. That's it. The twenty four. Okay, the twenty first is when it came out last year. So, hopefully, hopefully we can get you know within the next week and a half. So, let's move on. To maybe the meat, meat and potatoes, which oh, I guess that's what I, clearly what I said here, regurgitating the information. But game stacking, right? So we talked we talked quite a bit about this already, and uh, I'm actually kind of fired up to talk about it because I think the big thing that most of the market is missing that we as informed smart best ball players can take advantage of is not the idea of game stacking and the premise and doing it. It is the method in which we put it into place in our drafts. And it's, it's, it's actually more difficult than people will probably say to build what I would, what I would, what I would deem like really strong game stacks for this tournament specifically, like BBM and probably the DK Millie too, because I, I don't, I, I, it's not as simple as, and, and let me take a step, step back and say, here's how I think most people go into their drafts and start their approach to their games. You know, not everybody does it. The majority don't do it, but the people that do do it, I think the majority of them, go in and they say, all right, got Jamar Chase in the first round. So now, even setting aside game stacking, 
they, they start to build their stacks from the front to the back. So you start with Jamar Chase or Cooper Cup, and now you're like, got to stack the Bengals or got to stack the Rams, right? Or maybe you take the running back, and then you take uh, A.J. Brown. And then it's like, oh, got A.J. Brown, got to stack the Eagles. So I got to get put Jalen Hurts in the queue, Right. In, instead of kind of letting the draft flow a little bit more and letting everything come to you and being adaptable and building the stuff as it fits, right? People will start front to back. Specifically with the Bengals and Bills example, you almost have to start from front to back. But I'll get into a couple of ways I think we might be able to avoid that. So you, you, you start Jamar Chase and then you hopefully get Stefan Diggs. You know, I don't even know how possible that's going to be. But you you try to get Stefan Diggs, and then you're like, okay, do I want Josh Allen? I got to take Josh Allen next if he's there. And then, uh, you know, or, or am I taking T. Higgins, right? And then am I reaching on Joe Burrow? And they start to put all of their chip, all of their early round chips, into this game stack immediately, and every piece from their most valuable assets are all in that game. And I think it's not, it's certainly not that that can't work. Of course it can. But I think you end up deliberately hurting yourself when all of your chips and you build every stack from the front to the back of these games you miss out on so many of the outcomes and so many of the outcomes that are not probably a higher probability of happening. Definitely, honestly, a higher probability of happening, but also can catapult you up the leaderboard even more. And here's what I mean. The example from last year, somebody put it in the chat already, but I've referenced it like a hundred times this off season. Uh... Yeah, Ross says this. So what's so funny is this happened last year and 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 certainly could be a little bit of confirmation bias, but I'll never admit it. The Chiefs and Bengals was obviously a good game stack last year. But almost everyone that did it built it from the front to the back. So it was Tyreek and or Kelsey, you know, or... or it was Tyreek or Kelsey at the start. T and or Chase get Burrow. Maybe you get Boyd. Maybe you have, maybe Mahomes. Maybe you have Mahomes instead of Burrow. They built it from the front. There, I got my Chiefs stud, and now I mix in my Bengals there in those fourth, fourth, fifth rounds, sixth rounds, and then I, you know whether I got Mahomes or Burrow, and like poof, got my game stack. What one was? The ambiguous backfield part, and I know it wasn't technically as ambiguous, but the the contingent value running back bet on the Chiefs was the only one you wanted from that game. In half-point PPR, Tyreek Hill scored 7 points, and Travis Kelsey scored 10, 10, 10.9, something like that. And Daryl Williams with RB3 on the week. He scored 24 fantasy points. Find only Penny and... Singletary, which is also really funny that the highest scoring running backs were 
all cheap guys. But I digress. And if you only build your game stacks from the front to the back, you will only get those permutations. Or you'll get the permutations. Maybe you you still build from the front to the back and you have Daryl Williams. But I don't own I, I don't want only permutations that have that have to have the most expensive player from the from the game. You can still build the game stacks without right like Chiefs are a great example this year. You can absolutely build whoever the Chiefs play in week 17. You can absolutely build game stacks without Travis Kelsey. If they play trying to think of another uh another like expensive early ground Let, let's just say because i had already thought about it they play the eagles the chiefs and the eagles play in the in the championship you raiders there we go they play the raiders you want like to get kelsey devante right or something like that. The Raiders are maybe not as good of an example. Let's stick to the Eagles one just because it's kind of more feasible with the ADP. You take Kelsey. AJ Brown is the only Eagle up there available at the beginning, and he's the best Eagle. Right? He's like a late second round pick. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna build my stack from the front to the back, and I take Kelsey and I take AJ Brown, and then I decide on Mahomes or Hertz. But like, there's a lot of variations of that game where like you want Jalen Hurts to Dallas Goddard. With MVS, right? And maybe Rojo <laughs> or Quez Watkins, Kenny Gainwell, right? And so that's a huge focus for me this year is being super thoughtful on how I approach these game stacks. And you don't want to have zero building from the front to the back. Of course, you want to, of course, I want, I want Chiefs game stacks with Travis Kelsey, of course. But I don't, but I think the kind of, new meta that how I'm approaching the game stacks that I probably wasn't as good as I should have been last year is, is this kind of, I don't need, you don't need to set out to four. You don't need to set out to force the game stack. That's what everybody does. Everybody sets out in your, not your main stack is decided in the first couple of rounds and your game stack is decided in the first couple of rounds. And it doesn't have to be that way. It absolutely doesn't have to be. You could even have taken Kelsey and AJ Brown. And it doesn't work out for you at quarterback. We'll get to this in a second with the secondary stacks. And that's fine. You have Kelsey and, and AJ Brown. You have the correlation. And then you move on. And you end up with a, a Giants stack. And whoever the Giants play. Right? There, you can build these in so many ways without forcing it in the first X amount of rounds. So um, I'm definitely going to be building plenty of these game stacks for week 17 into my teams. But that was the big thing that stuck out to me is may, you don't have to force it from round one and be thinking about the game stack from round one, right? Like that's what happened with Dallas and Arizona last year. It was like, well, got to reach on CD, got to reach on Amari, got to reach. Now I got to reach on Dak or Kyler got to reach on nuke, whatever, you know, and you start putting all this to got to reach on Rondale because you start putting all this together at the very beginning, as opposed to kind of letting your, your draft flow a little bit more. The other one on the other one, which is, this will be kind of a, a blend between this 
and um, we'll get to the secondary stacking, is you don't only have to stack the sexy games, right? I know it's easy to look back now and we see that the seat, like, you know, the Lions defense was dreadful and the Seahawks scored 51 points and that game had 80 points in the final week. We look back and you're like, yeah, of course I wanted to stack against the Lions, but like it really wasn't a trendy thing to stack against the Lions and pl- and have, you know, the Amon Ra <laughs> bring back. But it is, is a game that we, you know, this year, if that happens again, we're, we're going to be targeting or some variation thereof. And I like, that's another thing I want to be cognizant of. The, we're going to get the, and we talked about the Bills Bengals game, but we're going to get other sexy games, right? Chiefs Raiders or something, you know, the, the a- NFC and AFC West teams are going to play other, you know, Bucks are, you know, the Bucks end up playing somebody fun, right? We're going to get these games that are really appealing and that'll be where so many people focus, but it doesn't have to be that either, right? Maybe the Seahawks defense just stinks and they just get the bricks beat off of them in week 17. Somebody comes in and hangs a 50 ball on them and they actually do throw it a little bit more and DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett are getting 15 targets. Like we can't predict it that far out. So because we can't predict it, you know, seven months away, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be, uh, uh, again, shout out to JXB. He posted this earlier today on a different subject, but we should have humility in our approach to these stacks. Like we know that we can't predict. Not only can we not predict how the game's going to go, even if we could predict like, okay, these are going to be the highest total games, the highest, the highest, you know, projected scoring games. Even if we could predict that we like are going to be wrong about what in reality, what the results are from the highest scoring games. And so we should be humble about the fact, knowing that we're just going to be wrong all the time and not only focus on the games that we think are the most appealing. Of course, we want to focus on some of them too, but we don't want to only focus on those. There's going to be a game the Browns are going to play the Steelers or something in week 17 and everybody's going to be like Ugh. AFC North Browns like to run rookie quarterback for Pittsburgh outdoors. Well like it's Deshaun Watson and what if Kenny Pickett's good? And like there's a lot of weapons out there. Maybe that's a 40 to 30 game. I don't know. Am I expecting it? Of course not. But, you know, say you draft Nick Chubb and then you draft Deontay Johnson, it's like, why not build that stack instead of forcing another Bills-Bengals stack? Um, Let me hit a couple of comments and then we'll dive into the secondary stacking here. David says, by stack building front to back, you probably sacrifice value in the early rounds where that matters a ton. You might grab a stack over a falling player um, when really... We need those early picks to ball out every week, no matter what, 100%. And those players have to produce and provide enough upside spike week juice on their own. Definitely. And there's also more inherent value in um, having the, you know, the, the late round guys can be so game environment dependent, 
right? And and being in that game environment for Daryl Williams can catapult him up as, you know, the guy you need to have. Rashad Penny, the guy you need to have, right? Whereas the early round guys are just the early round guys. Devontae Adams was the guy on my, uh, mine and Peter Overzet's best ball mania team um, in the finals last year. That was our first round pick. And it was like, you would just rather have him as your first round pick and then like cheaper stacks, right? I wish we would have had a Seahawks, like we had Rashad Penny, didn't have Amon Ra, but like, I wish we just would have had a Seahawks stack with Amon Ra and just like the best expensive early picks, right? Just give me the best raw points early and then, and then fill in my kind of stack later, right? With some of these cheaper pieces or correlate those cheaper pieces to my early pieces. Like it doesn't have to, like every of your first, you could have eight, your first like eight picks are uncorrelated and then start building it on from there. Right. Not saying that's even the best way to go, but it, it doesn't have to be right. I think people start to panic the moment we get X rounds into the draft. It's like, I don't have my stack. I don't, you know, if they're pro on game stacking and correlation, I don't have my, my game stack. I don't have my correlation. I don't have this. I don't have that. And like, we don't have to do that. If we build backwards, we build from the back to from the back to the front. We can start just start attaching on these guys as the drafts go. Because as we get deeper into the draft, the later you go, the less different all these guys are, right? And we kind of, sometimes we kind of think, and I, I don't want to I don't want to take this too far, but like the the tier differences early on is like drastic, right? Like Jonathan Taylor versus cam Akers, it's two rounds but that difference is ginormous the difference between a 14th round running back and a 16th round running back i don't know there's probably guys that go in the 16th round i prefer to the 14th round, right and so you can kind of be more flexible from those later rounds in how you bolt on these other players to your pieces in order for it to make sense from a game stack and correlation perspective. Um, yeah, it's, it is, it is really funny. I, I'm going to, I'm going to run through this because I'm going to use the example from last year, just because, you know, it's the easiest thing um, to hammer home, to hammer home um, the point. It's not useless information. This is funny though. The Bucks Jets stack was one I was actually targeting last year. And I think it was a good one because people were not, you know, people were very scared of the Jets outside of, you know, Elijah Moore caught some steam, but people were very scared of the Jets. And we know the Bucks are just going to score. Um, so secondary stacking. This is the thing. All I've seen people like post on Twitter is like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see the week 17 matchups. Cause I'm going to, I'm just going to games. I'm going to, I can't wait to put these game stacks out there. And like, like I said, I, you're not going to hear me throwing shade at any of the game stack type stuff or whatever. But what, what I think is the most underutilized aspect of all this playoff and tournament talk is the secondary stack, <clears throat> secondary correlations and secondary stacks. And what I mean by that is it doesn't have to be a, like a full stack of this game with the quarterback and multiple receivers and a, a receiver on the other side. And, you know, I know a lot of people like to like include running backs and all that. And 
it doesn't have to be like you that doesn't have to be your lineup centered around just that one game or you can have that and you can still benefit from the correlation and stacking aspect of things with other players again last year was the absolute perfect example of of this happening and in fact if you had the appropriate secondary stacks it didn't really matter what your main stack was i mean liam won with a Josh Allen stack, but he hit the secondary plays. Actually, I don't. I don't think he had Daryl Williams, but he did have Jamar Chase. But it, like, if you had Jamar Chase and Daryl Williams as a secondary stack, which is another one we'll get to. If you build back to front and you don't force those Chiefs, and then you use your late round picks, you use the correlation aspect to decide, right? If you have only Jamar Chase or you have Bengals in either or last year, deciding on your 17th or 18th round pick should be Daryl Williams or, or Jarek McKinnon or whatever gets pref- gets preferential treatment on that team because he makes the most sense on that team. And I mean, obviously that worked very well. Uh, somebody mentioned that Herzig, you know, had Daryl Williams on his team in a stack of that game because Daryl Williams got preferential treatment as a late round pick because he correlated with those early plays, but it also, it doesn't have to be with your main team, right? That's Amonra. That's what Amonra was, right? And the crazy thing about Amonra was he, he of course would have fit with uh, DK or, or Lockett. Obviously he also would have fit in game stacks, but you can even take it so far again, building back to front with the secondary stacks that the winning secondary stack from that game, you wouldn't have drafted it until like you wouldn't have even thought about it in your team until like the 14th round or 15th round. Whenever Amon Ra went was like, yeah, like the 14th or 15th round. And you take him and you take Penny as two of your last like five picks. And you're like, Oh, okay. I, you know, here's a young rookie wide receiver. Uh, you know, we know inherently that the the young rookie players are good for these contests. They help maximize their upside. I need a wide receiver at this point in the draft. Boom, take Amonra. Oh, he's at the top of my rankings. Whatever. Then it's like two rounds later. I need a running back. So I'm deciding between the running backs. Do I take some random Joe Schmo one off? Right? Do I take Darrington Evans? No, you don't fucking take Darrington Evans on this team. You take Rashad Penny because he fits with your Amon Ra play as a secondary correlation because they both benefit from the scenario that we saw play out where it's a goddamn shootout. One team is scoring a million points, Seattle, so Rashad Penny is crushing. While he's crushing, it in turn forces the Lions to be more aggressive, throw more. And it, it just so happened in this scenario that you know everybody else is hurt. So Amon Ra was just their alpha. But right, but you know, we we don't know how that's going to play out between all these different teams. A, that's why we draft these younger guys and these contingent value bets like Penny. But that's that's why we do the correlation in the first place because we don't. Who the hell knows? Daryl Williams? I don't know. You tell me how, if and when he was going to become the Chiefs running back. I don't know. Amon Ra? I sure as hell didn't see it coming. I wish I did. <laughs> I, I didn't draft enough. But the correlation is what allows you to not have to get this shit right, right? You're just like, I don't need to get these individual players right 
I just need, you know, over like in any one specific setting, you know, I'm drafting 150 of them. So over the 150, I'm going to have all these different kind of combinations of these correlations. And you're like, okay, hopefully I land on that one Bengal stack with Daryl Williams, Rashad Penny, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And boom, million dollars, $2 million this year, right? And it was an easily achievable thing. We all could have built the winning team last year. We all could have built the winning team. And you actually could have built the winning team, like I said, with just the set, like Josh, Liam won with Josh Allen to Gabe Davis or whatever. And Josh Allen was good, but no, but none of his weapons were really that good. There might have been Josh Allen to uh, Beasley, whatever. It was a Bills stack because, of course. But then if you just had a Jamar Chase with Daryl Williams secondary correlation, and you just had Rashad Penny with Amon Ross St. Brown secondary correlation, you got your Josh Allen, you could have had the chalky other just whatever dudes, right? Throw in your JT, throw in your Cooper Cup and your Mark Andrews or whoever. And it was like, you won by 30. And ev- all of us could have achieved that team. I th- sometimes I think about it. I think about how easy it was to build that winning team. And it, it fucking t- it tilts me so hard. But it hammers home this secondary stacking thing, right? Like the secondary stacks allow you to not even necessarily have to get your main game stack that you or main stack, even if you don't do a game stack, right? Almost everyone is doing some form of a stack, even if it's just a quarterback and one wide receiver. You don't even have to get that right necessarily, right? Liam did not get the Bills stack right. Josh Allen was good, but the Bills stack wasn't what won you anything. But you get the secondary stacks. You get Daryl, you know, again, I'm using the Daryl Williams thing, but you get the Daryl Williams, Jamar chase. You get the Rashad Penny, Amon Ross St. Brown. And like everybody else just has to be fine. Just like, can, do I have players that can go get me 12 points at the other positions? <laughs> like you win, you know? And so those secondary correlations um, are the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm really going to continue to hammer home. And that's the thing when we get this schedule here a little bit, um, uh, a little bit later is I want to know that schedule so that I can make those decisions in the draft of the secondary correlations too. anybody can learn the schedule to be like, I want to stack the bills and Bengals game or, or any, any game, but being able to, to build in game stacks, no matter what, because I know how to draft from back to front as opposed to front to back. That is a big thing. And then knowing the schedule or just having the schedule up so much that every time I make a pick from there on out, I'm like, okay, you know, who is available for ADP? What kind of correlations do I have ready to fire from my hip? Um, so I can find Rashad Penny and Amon Ra and, uh, and all of that, those guys of, of 2022. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that all made sense. I know I rambled for a little while about all this, different different nonsense but um i actually think it's a really really big and important part of of all this um if you want any like kind of further details i broke that i broke that down in the article i'm gonna drop that in the chat really quick um and i'll post it in the comments as well i'll hit a couple of these last comments and then we'll get out of here 
David says, we count on our late picks to increase our variance and upside. Lean into that and stack later to maximize the ceiling outcome where you need help. Goblar says, last year, I tried to find correlation with multiple weeks. Who plays in 17 and who does their opponent play? <clears throat> Love it. Play in 16 or 15. Didn't get one into the final round, though. But I think, me, this is me talking now, you're absolutely on the right path. Doing these little things, like, of course, you still need to get lucky. Like, it needs to fall your way. But this is what allows you, like, people talk about, uh, I saw people posting this this on Twitter. Uh, oh, this is, like, all luck. It's, like, 5% skill. And, like, I mean, I guess, like, technically that is true, I, I guess. But it's, 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 all, it's like, all variance. There's a, there's a very big difference between something being all luck and being all variance. Variance-based games, skillful people win more, can still win more often than not, right? Go play MLB DFS and tell me if it's not all variance. Like, who the hell, you know, any shitty pitcher can go – throw a no hitter against the best offense in baseball every single night or the the uh best pitcher can get blown up by the shittiest offense that's just baseball the variance is through the roof every single night but the the most skillful players still have a huge edge over their competition in the long haul and are going to win over the long haul these things that Goblar talked about that you guys are talking about in the chat and that what I went over here are things that skillful players will do within their drafts that the other players will not do. And so, yeah, in any one, it, it's, it's one slate, basically. We get to do this one time a year. So, yeah, you might have losing years and it feels like it's luck. But if we were able to, like, if there was a new NFL best ball slate every day, we got to redraft, you know, get, only only a couple of you sick people could do this draft 150 new teams into a tournament every day and then it ran that night and then we kept going the most skillful players would win it's just that we don't have uh you know enough seasons to to kind of let that variance play out in our favor but the most skillful players are definitely going to win yeah absolutely this is perfect perfect thing to uh wrap up on two two things Need to give yourself the opportunity to take advantage of luck and anything where you don't realize the EV constantly or instantly, people perceive it as luck. I totally agree. And uh, that's a, that's a, yeah, shout out Andrew. I know there's a weekly, there's a weekly draft tournament and I'm going to be, I'm going to be in it this year for sure. I didn't play enough last year and I'm, I'm mad at myself for not having played enough last year. So uh, I'm excited to get into that and we will get into that here on this, on this YouTube channel too so uh thanks guys i'll be back tomorrow i think i think liam chess liam liam murphy winner of best ball media will be joining me to do a bbm draft he's got covid and he announced it in the in the discord i hope he's okay with me saying that he's under the weather so um we'll see if he's still feeling if he's not i'll do it myself no big deal but I think I'll have Liam tomorrow. We're going to do – no, we're yeah, – yeah, I don't know what draft we're doing. We're going to do a draft tomorrow uh, with the winner of Best Ball Mania, hopefully, um, about this time, 5 p.m. So I will see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for joining. Um, enjoy. Enjoy schedule Enjoy schedule drop. Better get, get the brain work and just memorize that schedule uh, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the next few hours. But uh, I'll catch you guys tomorrow. See ya. Peace.